0: In your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bully portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And, folks, we are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent. And we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So, when you schedule a visit, we are going to work for you as clients, not companies. So, there's no meter running. We're going to meet as many times as necessary on a complimentary basis to fully analyze your situation and complete for you a personalized income plan along with a lot of other reports that that you may need, Social Security maximization, we'll analyze your portfolio and all kinds of stuff, 100% complimentary. Uh, We have multiple locations to come closer for you, more convenience for you. Milford's a home office, Blue Ash, Westchester, and across the river in Florence, Kentucky. And imagine this, you're going to meet one or all three of the guys you make a connection with over the weeks, months, and years, Barry, that's me, James, or Greg, uh, when you come in to visit. Uh, If you have a 401k, 403b, some kind of company plan, we can help you roll that out into a traditional IRA so you can take control of it, invest it how you want. Give us a call, 513-575-9654. Visit our website at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Shoot us over an email or answer every single one, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Call the studio, share your thoughts at 513-749-5500. That's pound 550 on your at t wireless. Mr. Borth, what's going on today? Well, today's topic is about
1: Social Security. What? Many different facets about the program. So some of this is taken from our website. One of the learning modules on our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com, is about the Social Security program, the five secrets and the five gotchas to help you navigate the rules. We're also going to delve into at least some details about the, the WEP and the GPO, WEP meaning the Windfall Elimination Program and the GPO, the Government Pension Offset. P- provision,
0: Windfall Elimination Provision. Oh,
1: provision, the P for provision. Okay, good enough. And then finally, we're going to also talk about little quirks to the rules, such as when your birthday isn't your birthday, at least according to Social Security. That could be a problem. Yes, that could be a problem, and it's it's just one of those little gotchas, too, that sometimes people need to be aware of along the way. So, Barry, lead us off. How does the Social
0: Security program actually work? Well, you know, if you receive a paycheck or if you're self-employed, you pay into Social Security. Uh, Now, I say that loosely because you can receive a paycheck and not pay into Social Security. So that statement in and of itself, explain that, James. Well,
1: that just means if you, for example, teachers... Many yes. different teachers in different states, they don't pay into Social Security. They have an alternate retirement system. Or
0: city workers. Yes. Government workers is another good example. Firefighters. Persters. Yes. So now uh, let's say you're working a normal job paying into Social Security. 6.2% of your salary up to a, a limit that you, you can make. Uh, you pay it, and then your employer pays 6.2%. Now, if you're one of the lucky ones or unlucky ones, if you're self-employed, James, as employee and employer, what do you pay? Well, let me clear
1: something up here, because if you are a W-2 wage-based employee, then technically your employer is paying the 6.2% on your behalf. It's still yours. It's still as if you're paying into the system, except the employer gets a credit on their taxes for paying in on your behalf. But, yes, if you are self-employed, You get the full brunt of this. You get to pay both halves. Now, the catch also is, for the self-employed, if you're profitable. Because if you don't turn a profit, then you don't pay anything into the Social Security program for that particular
0: year. And if you do that for three years, it's a hobby. It's not a business. According to the IRS, (laughs) that's correct. So make some money, folks. Okay, you need 40 credits to be eligible. You get one credit every year uh, if you make a net of very little, $1,360 annually. Maximum is four credits per year, no matter how much you make, which is roughly $5,400. Uh, $5, now, they average the highest 35 years to compute what you're entitled to once you retire. They average it. And if you didn't work 35 years, you'll have some zeros. You'll get zero for those years that you didn't work if you, or if you work less. And, uh, the tw- 2019 average Social Security is fourteen hundred and sixty-one dollars. Costs per adjust- month, yeah, per month. The cost of living adjustment for 2019 is a whopping two point eight percent. The maximum earnings subject to, to the Social Security tax in 2018 is one hundred twenty-eight four. It did go up to one thirty-two nine, so they can get more money. The maximum monthly retirement this year for retirement age, whatever that may be is twenty eight sixty one a month the average monthly retirement benefit for men is fifteen sixty five and that 's this year and then average for women is twelve forty four now survivor benefit for men average monthly is eleven seventy nine average monthly survivor benefit for women is thirteen forty four and there's also even more rules about if
1: you are drawing social security benefits. And you're still working at the same time. And you're not yet to the full retirement age. Because, Barry, if you are at full retirement age, there is no limit on what you can make as far as earnings are concerned and have the the
0: government or the Social Security people start taking your benefits back. Yeah, if you're just dying to keep working, I plan on working if I can think properly and do my job because I like what I do. You can turn on Social Security not give any back and work, make as much as you want and it's not double-dipping.
1: But if you are under the full retirement age, Barry, what are the rules on that? What are yeah. the limitations?
0: If, if you're under the full retirement age and you're not in the year of your full retirement age, it's prior to that, There, you can make up to, right now, it changed it in 2019, $17,640, which is prorated per month at 1470 You can make up to that with no give back. But once you go over that, for every $2 earned, you got to give one back. Uh, so if you're making up thirty or more, $1,000, 30000 $35,000, you are going to give it all back. There's no reason to turn it on. Now, if you're within the year of full retirement age, you can make up to $46,920, which is also prorated per month at 3910 And then instead of mugging and a beating, it's only a mugging, you give $1 back for every $3 earned, um, if you go over that forty six or the thirty nine ten, it's it's more favorable. Yes, and how this also impacts things like your Medicare
1: premiums. So if you are, say for example, earning, let's just start with if you're single and you earn less than eighty five thousand dollars of earned income, because the government, you know, they they look at different things. So first of all, let's just say that your total what the government counts as income on your tax return is. 84999 less than the $85,000 threshold. Then the starting point for your Medicare Part B premiums, as far as what you should be paying in, is $135.50 a month. Now, there is a provision that if you were already on Social Security prior to this year, and this is what they call a hold harmless provision. So, for example, the cost of living adjustment for Social Security benefits in 2018 was 2.0%. For 2019, it was 2.8%. So the hold harmless provision means that your Social Security benefit and your Medicare Part B premiums and also Medicare Part D premiums are kind of tied at the hip. So for example, if your Social Security only goes up by 2.0%, then what's the maximum that your Medicare premiums can also go up? 2.0%. So for 2019, the 2.8 COLA cost of living adjustment means that the maximum that your Medicare premiums could have risen by was two point eight percent. So if you already were on Medicare, Social Security both at the same time, then there's a hold harmless provision that means you might be paying substantially less than the one thirty-five a month for your Medicare premiums. Now on the flip side, if you are making what the government calls too much money, which is more than $85,000 if you're single, Woohoo! 85000 if you're married filing separately, we'll get to that because that's a pretty swift kick in the butt for you on the 85000 if you're filing separately. But if you're filing jointly, multiply that by two, $170,000 a year. Anything above that, you have a means adjustment about what you're going to pay for your Medicare premiums. So it starts off at 135 is usually what they call the base amount for your Medicare premiums. But if you go substantially above the 170 mark, if you're married filing jointly, all the way up to, say,
0: 460
1: Well, hmm. let's just go with your Medicare premiums. It could be as high as $460 oh, yeah. a month for your Medicare Part B premiums. Because you make more money. Now, do they go back two years? It looks like it's two years back. So, in other words, if you're looking at your 2019 premiums, they're going to look at your tax year of 2017. If you're talking about your 2020 calendar year 2020 benefits, they look at tax year 2018. So this coming tax year, 2018 tax year, is going to set your Medicare premiums for the year 2020. So it looks like it's a two-year gap, two-year difference, but it's really just
0: one year when you say calendar year versus tax year. Just a side note on supplements, they're not subject to this extra money if you make more. No. Just your base Medicare.
1: Just the Medicare part B and also the Medicare part D premiums. So both the Medicare part B for the outpatient and the Medicare part D for the drugs, the Medicare part D for the drugs can go up by as much as 77 a month extra for making too much money again according to our government. Now, the other one that I was telling you about before about the married filing separately, that one just skips to Paying a major amount more than your baseline premiums for the Medicare Part B premium. So, if you're filing separately, this is very, very tricky. If you're analyzing your tax filing status, which is a better way to file jointly versus separately, be very careful about the impact on your Medicare premiums. Because if you make eighty-five thousand and one dollar, if you're filing separately, it goes all the way from one thirty-five to four thirty-three for your monthly yeah, premiums. Yeah, they're not going to play that game with you. So there's more. There's much more about that. When we come back from commercial break, we're going to teach you about this little nugget, which is when your birthday isn't your birthday, at least for Social Security. So our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. LLC, Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment
0: Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth and I'm Barry Parnell. We are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent and we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So when you come in to visit, we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. And you're going to meet one or all three of the guys that you make a connection with perhaps over the weeks, months, and years. And also, we're, we have multiple locations for your convenience, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky. So give us a call at 513-575-9654. Visit our website at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Shoot us over an email at team at com. James, where were we? All right. On the Social Security program, here's a little
1: nugget that sometimes trips people up. And this is about when your birthday is not your birthday, at least for social security purposes. So here's, here's a prime example of where sometimes this can be, I would say, a little bit a little bit tricky, and sometimes it, it confuses people. So the first of the month, let's just say that your birthday falls on the first day of the month. Well, guess what? For social security purposes, your birth month is actually the month prior to your actual date of birth. So for example, you are born July 1st, then for social security purposes, your birth month, and therefore the month that your benefit is based upon, is now June. That's weird, how about if you
0: were born in the second?
1: Then it's just simply whatever that birth month was. Why do they do that? That's because they can. <laughs> All right, here's another one, the, the 1st of January, which kind of extends by, you know, the the rule about the 1st of the month to also the 1st of January. So in the case of a date of birth being January the 1st, your birth month is actually December, which means your birth year is the oh year prior goodness. to your actual birth. And here's, here's another uh, one that it sounds tricky, but it really isn't. Let's just say your birthday was on the 29th of February. Uh-oh. Well, for... All intents and purposes, right, you have a birthday every four years because you were born on leap day. You're young. But if you think about from the Social Security Administration's point of view, they simply look at this as you're born during February, so your birth month is indeed February. They don't care about the leap day. They just care about you're born in February. Now, here's another one that is kind of strange. It's the age 62 calculation versus, let's say, the full retirement age calculation. So for age 62 benefits, you are not eligible for, again, age 62 benefits, which is the first time you can file for retirement benefits until the full month in which you will be age 62. So for example, let's just say you're born on February the 15th, 1957. You actually reach age 62 on February 15th of 2019, but you won't be eligible for benefits until March of 2019. So that's, that's a good reminder about people when they are starting their benefits as early as they possibly can, which is age 62, you're not eligible for the benefits to begin until the month after you reach the age 62 benefit. So in that particular example, even though this person reached age 62 on February the 15th, or they will have reached it on February the 15th, the age 62 benefit cannot start until March which means the first month they actually get the benefit, receive payments, would be April because Social Security pays benefits in arrears. That means you don't receive your February benefit until March. You don't receive your March benefit until April.
0: You know, that explains that we had a client recently that signed up. She'll be 62 on March 6th. And uh, when she signed up, they, they sent back and says your first check will be April 20th. Hmm. So that's why that happened. And that's another little quirk, too, is that the actual
1: date that you receive your, your payment from the Social Security Administration depends upon which day of the month you actually were born. Now, why that matters is, and think about this, when they extend this benefit by, say, millions and millions and millions of people, if they keep your money, which, you know, is still your money, but they keep it an extra week or they keep it an extra two weeks, that means that they get to accrue and draw interest on your money James, for that extra week or two weeks. that's cynical. Leave the government out of this. Hey, it's just the facts, man. That's all there is to it. Now, the other one about the full retirement age benefit. So, for example, the age 62 benefit means that you don't get your age 62 until the month afterwards. Now, that's different for every year there afterwards. That means... When you reach your full retirement age, that means when you reach age 70, it is during the month of which you reach that particular age. So for example, your birthday was March the 17th, 1954. That means your full retirement age is exactly age 66 and you obtain the full retirement age on March the 17th of 2020. What that also means that you are now eligible for the full retirement age benefits starting March the 1st of 2020. So the entire month of March you get the forward retirement age benefits, which is to say 100% of your primary insurance
0: amount. How in the world will a normal person figure all this out? Come see us? Yes. That's <laughs> the very best answer is come see us. 513-575-9654. We can help. Give us a call. All right, James, where are we? Well, let's get into, and this is this is.
1: From the module, the learning module on our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com, and this is coming from the five secrets and the five gotchas to help you navigate the rules.
0: There's only five secrets? There's probably 105 secrets, but go ahead. Well, the top five. Let's just say the top five. And sometimes when we think about
1: this, think about this from the standpoint of what does the government know about you and which department of the government you know, do they know whatever they know about you? Yeah, what do they
0: not want to know about you?
1: Well, here's here's what I mean by this. The Social Security Administration, they're like the tail, not the dog that wags and so forth and so on. So when it comes to whom you're currently married to, whom you have recently divorced, whom you maybe will in the near future divorce, <laughs> whether your spouse or ex-spouse has actually passed away Whether you have young or disabled children, young in this case means teenagers, whether you are taking care of dependent parents, and also if you've recently amended a tax return. This is especially important if you're subject to the income-adjusted Medicare premiums, you go back and amend a return, and suddenly, magically, you're not subject to the income-adjusted premiums. So like Sergeant Schultz of the Hogan's Heroes... I know nothing. I see nothing. Yes, it knows virtually nothing about your family until you tell them about your family. Speaking of
0: divorce, you know what the number one reason is? Marriage. Marriage.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. So if you can collect benefits for yourself based on the work histories of your current or also your former relatives, or if your current relatives can collect benefits based on your work record... Because remember this, you can have, in some cases, up to nine, maybe even ten different people drawing benefits even off of one person's work history. Where's all the money coming from, James? The government, of course, Barry.
0: You mean our pockets, right?
1: Yes. Where does the government get their money? They get it from the American taxpayers.
0: Just print more. Print more.
1: Quit being so cynical, Barry. Yeah. So, furthermore, (laughs) if your marital status changes or if a former or even a current spouse dies— and this can affect your current benefits, you must tell the agency. Do not assume that the Social Security Administration will magically know that someone has suddenly passed away or that you have gotten divorced or that you've gotten remarried at a certain age. In other words, they won't know until you tell them.
0: Barry, what's number two? Well, number two is uh, if your spouse was at least 65 by January 2nd, 2019, this year, if your spouse turns 65 prior to January 2nd, he or she can still collect full spousal benefits on your record between ages 66 and 70 while waiting until as late as 70 to collect his or her own. So you can let his or her own own grow while taking spousal benefits. This is called restricted application. However, end of the year after December 31st, it goes away, James. So what's the, what's the catch
1: when it comes to filing a restricted application? Or really, what's the catch for filing for any type of spousal benefit?
0: Well, somebody has to file.
1: Right. That means your spouse has to have already filed for their work record benefit for you, the definitive collective you in this case, to be eligible for a spousal benefit off of their work record.
0: Think about a couple years ago when we had file and suspend where you could file and suspend It's like not filing, in essence. Well, that went away a couple years ago. Now the restricted app is going away. But spousal benefits in and of itself is not going away. These are switch strategies disappearing. Now, the one potential exception to this rule where
1: the other spouse will have to have filed first is when you're drawing benefits off of an ex-spouse. So you may not have (laughs) any idea what your ex-spouse has done or what they haven't done, but they have to at least be eligible for benefits before you can file off of their work record. Do they have to apply? And what's the other catch about the
0: length of time you have to be married? Oh, yeah. You have to be married 10 years or more. So if you've been married to four husbands or four wives for four decades, 10 years, you've got some options for you. But let me ask you, does uh, eligible mean 62 and, of course, have the 40 credits? Do they have to apply?
1: Well, that's just it. They have to be eligible, but it doesn't mean they have to have applied. Okay. Once again, the government does not assume that you know what your ex-spouse has done or what they haven't done, but if they're age 61, for example, then you're not eligible for benefits off of their work record
0: history. If they're at least age 62, then you are at least potentially eligible. And and don't think you're getting back at them. They don't lose anything. They don't really have to know about it. Some spouses want them to know about it just as a thorn in the side. Right,
1: but just a reminder because – the, the far and away as far as the most complicated or the most options when it comes to the filing strategies is for married couples because yes. if you're single if you've never been married you only have one person you yourself you to file benefits off of that person's uh, work record history that's right what's the next one James well this is this is kind of strange how it's worded, but there may be no advantage to waiting until your full retirement age to collect widow or divorce benefits. Widow meaning survivor benefits, and widower as well means survivor benefits. So in other words, there may be no advantage to wait until your full retirement age to collect the survivor benefits. Barry,
0: tell us more. Well, if you're widowed uh, but remarried after age 60, or qualified, widowed, divorced, including those who remarried after 60, and your deceased spouse took retirement benefits early. Now, there, there may be no incentive of waiting to collect survivor benefits even after you reach former retirement age, meaning it's not going to grow, James, right? Right, that's right. Why would you wait and give up money when you can get it and get the same amount? Once again,
1: it's sometimes where ignorance is bliss, and ignorance is when you don't know what you could do, and therefore you don't ask the right questions. Sometimes when you expect the Social Security Administration to give you maybe, I would say, recommendations, and I'll say it that way because they're not supposed to give you advice that be that could be construed as retirement advice. They can tell you the basics of how to file. They cannot tell you by rule. They cannot give you what's called retirement or advice about your benefits. So they can't tell you what might... A, be a way to maximize your benefits for example but they can tell you the basics of well here's how you file either in person or online so they can tell you that but Take there are certain step. limitations of what they can and cannot do so there's more there's much more our phone number at the office 513-575-9654 call us we can help stay tuned you're listening to the sound money investment show with brown financial advisors here on 55 krc the talk station Back to the Sound Money
0: Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth, and you know, I'm Barry Parnell. We are a registered investment advisory firm, we're independent, and we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So we're going to work for you uh, as clients, not companies, not captive to a mothership. So when you come coming in for a visit, there's no meter running, hundred percent complimentary, no matter how many times we have to meet to fully analyze your personal situation, and complete an income plan and all kinds of other reports based on your needs, wants, and desires. We have multiple locations, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, Florence, Kentucky. You're going to meet one or all three of the guys you make a connection with. Imagine that. We're not going to push you off to a junior advisor. Uh, give us a call at 513 575 nine96. Five four. If you have a, a company plan and you're no longer with that company, chances are you might want to roll that out a traditional IRA. Take control of it, invest it how you want to invest it. Give us a call five one three five seven five nine six five four. Visit our website at brownfinancialvisors.com. dot com. Scroll about halfway down. You're going to see six retirement readiness modules. Go ahead and test your readiness. You can uh, send us over an email at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Call the studio right now, 513-749-5500. James, where were we? Well, let's, let's kind of
1: review a little bit and go through some different terminology and different things that can be confusing depending upon who you're talking to at the Social Security Administration or what you're reading as far as online or whoever you're listening to. So at any rate, little acronyms along the way and different terms and in, in what they actually mean. So starting
0: with PIA, PIA, Barry, stands for what? Primary Insurance Amount. Which is 100% of your benefit at? Full Retirement Age, FRA. Yes.
1: M-O-U-S-E. All right. Yes. So another one that can be a little bit confusing is when you actually do reach your full retirement age. So, for example, based on your age, Barry, what are the different ranges?
0: Well, if you're born 1937 or earlier, the original age for Social Security is 65. But most people are going to fall between. If you were born, uh, well, in 1938, it kind of goes up, sliding scale, two months, four months. But most of us are going to fall between, not me, obviously, and not James, but 1943 to 1954. It's a flat 66. I think that's that's baby boomers. That's that's most of the the people that we see out there. And then, of course, 1950. Five and up to 1960, it scrolls up to two months, four months, eight months, six months, ten months. And then James was born uh, after 1960, so it's a flat 67 for everybody born 1960 or later. Yeah, 1960 and later, everyone's full
1: retirement age. The FRA is age 67. And what's the chance of that going up? Maybe
0: tweaking up? Well, Maybe not.
1: Yeah, there's going to be many other things that they could change first before they change that. The Amount of reduction or reduced benefits, however, because, again, based on your full retirement age, you get 100% of whatever your benefit was supposed to be. If you start taking benefits early, it's like there's a step up and a step down for taking benefits late or deferring your benefit. There's also a step down if you take your benefits early. And approximately 8% per year is what it looks like as far as your step up and step down. I say it that way because math – You you get different answers depending upon when you look and and when you start. So there is a monthly component as well. If you think about the 8% step up and step down, it equals two-thirds of 1% per month. So if you wait one extra month to take your benefit, you get that (laughs) 0.67% bump up from your full retirement age PIA, your primary insurance amount.
0: Uh, Let's do some examples. Let's say your full retirement age is 66 and your amount that you get at 66 is $1,000. So if you turn it on at 66, you got 1,000. But let's say you're in a hurry. You want to turn it on at 62. You will get a 25% haircut. You get 750. at 63, 800, 64, 867, 65, 933. And then, of course, if you wait till 67, it grows by 8%. So all the way to 70 which is 1320 instead of a thousand you get 320 more a month which is 132%.
1: Yes. So if your benefit was going to be 2000 a month that's a nice step up. And it's
0: also a significant step down if you're going to take your benefits all the way at age 62. Yeah, however, it doesn't mean you should wait till 70 because the break even's about 10 years or so so you'd have to live to almost 80. To make it better for you. It depends on a lot of other factors, which we can help you with, James, with the Social Security Maximization Report.
1: That's right. It's a complimentary report. It is tailored. It's based upon your situation. And our phone number, 513-575-9654. You can also go online to brownfinancialadvisors.com, go through our learning module, and sign up online as well. Now, if you are a widow or widower, you can take benefits as early as what age? Sixty. Okay. And if you're looking at retirement benefits, whether it's your own or the spousal benefits, the earliest you can do these is what? 62. Okay. With a haircut. And the latest, now, you you don't actually have to receive your benefits starting at age 70, but is there any benefit <laughs> whatsoever for waiting beyond age 70?
0: Only benefit is if you want the government to keep their money. They can do a better job than you. Their money, in this case, is well, your money. Give the government your money. You're right. All right. So let's uh, go through some
1: other provisions here, some other benefits I guess you might say. This one is if you are already collecting your benefits in some cases it might be better if you consider suspending and restarting your benefits
0: later. Barry? Yeah, you don't you don't see this much and it's not. I'm not a big fan of it uh, you can start, stop, start if you're within the first 12 months of turning it on, let's say something happened where you went back to work and you were over the limit of course you'd want to stop it and then restart it once you truly do stop working. James? Well, here's a good example. Let's just say you're age 62, and you
1: go back to work, and suddenly you're earning a lot more than what your so-called earnings limit was going to be, and therefore your take-back was going to be almost all of your benefit. So in that case, it might be better for you, the individual or the collective you, to stop your benefit and then later on restart your benefit when you do finally fully retire or just simply drop down to part-time or drop down below the earnings limit as far as that is concerned. And Here's the major catch. Be very, very careful because if you stop or suspend your benefit, you also stop any related spousal and or family benefit payments. So if those are payments being drawn off of your work record and you suspend your benefit, you also suspend their benefits. So here's what that means. <laughs> and, and this goes back to terminology because the Social Security Administration looks at spousal benefits, comparatively speaking, as being what they call an excess spousal benefit. We'll, we'll get to those a little bit later. So where this could have an impact is for the spousal benefit. It could also have an impact on what they call the widower or, ben, or survivor benefit. So there are different people receiving benefits that are not based upon their work record, but are based upon someone else's work record. So the only good thing is the stop, start, start, however many times you want to stop or restart, it doesn't have an impact for the ex-spouse. So if your ex-spouse, for example, stops their benefit, then the ex-spouse drawing benefits off of their work record history, they are unaffected. So, in other words, your your ex-husband, your ex-wife can't get back at you by just simply suspending their benefits.
0: That's right. And after 12 months, remember, it's locked in. And if you do decide
1: you want to pay something back, which is to say, do a complete do-over, after 12 months, you like Barry said, after 12 months, you cannot do the do-over anymore. But during the first 12 months, you can do the do-over provision and also pay everything back as part of the do-over provision. Oh, boy. Yes, so here's another little benefit.
0: Filing early can be a winning strategy. Yeah, the first question you ask somebody when they're th- 62, do you need it? Do you need to live for a number of reasons? They're not working, they're disabled, they can't find a job. And if the answer is yes, James, you must turn it I mean, you got, got to turn it on to live. That's the foundation. Yes. And hopefully you have some other assets. Not always the case. I, my 90-year-old mother-in-law is living on Social Security alone. I don't know how they do
1: it, but sometimes they do. When you say, what is that person's income needs during retirement? It it matters by individual situations. that's That's right. You know, there's not a one size fits all. There's not a one number fits all. It's very unique to each different situation. Now, here's something else to that is coming down the pike after restricted application goes away. And that's a provision known as deemed filing. Yeah. So... Restricted application is a way to file for benefits. Let's just say you're eligible for both your own work record benefit and spousal benefits at the same time. If you do not restrict your application, you are deemed to be filing for all benefits at the same time. After 2019, deemed filing means that no matter what, if you are age 62, age 65, age 69, you are deemed to be filing for all benefits at the same time, no matter what, the no larger matter what age. of the two, yeah. Yes, and you will then receive the larger of the two benefits. So, if you are not yet eligible for spousal benefits, so this is, say, for example, your spouse has not yet turned on their benefit. That means you're not eligible for spousal benefits. That's so, right. when you file, you only file for your own work record benefits. There's more, there's much more, but bottom line call us at our office phone number, 513 575 9654, for a complimentary Social Security Maximization Report. And otherwise, stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here in
0: 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell, and we, we're an investment advisory firm. We're independent, we're registered, and we have fiduciary responsibility to do your best interest. So we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. Leave your wallet in person home when you come in to visit. It's completely complimentary no matter how many times it takes us to meet, how many meetings, until we fully analyze your personal situation and create an income plan and a number of other reports, uh, including a Social Security maximization report. We have multiple locations, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence Kentucky, you're going to meet one or all three of the guys you make connection with over the weeks, months, and years. We can help you roll out that 401K, 403B, TSP, some kind of company plan. Even if you are still working in over 59 and a, half, a lot of plans will allow you to do what's called an in-service rollover. We can help you with that if you so desire or if you're no longer working. Chances are you should take control of that and invest it how you want to invest it. Give us a call. Set an appointment. 513 575 four. Visit our website, com. Scroll about halfway down. There's six readiness modules, including Social Security. Click on it. Test your readiness. Email us at team at com. James, where are we? Well, going through some of the numbers when it
1: comes to taxation, and these have not been adjusted since the 1980s. So these are the same figures from the 1980s as they are to today. Why is that? That's because don't be cynical. It's a form of a tax increase. Inflation is a form of a tax increase. So every year that there's inflation, that, that means true. that this is a tax increase. So how this works is if you are married filing jointly and your combined income is less than thirty two thousand dollars, then Barry, how much of your social security gets taxed?
0: Big fat zero if you can live on thirty two thousand. If you're filing jointly and thirty two well remember this is what shows
1: up on your tax return, so that's not always the same thing. If your combined income is between thirty-two and forty-four thousand dollars, then how much? Up to well, fifty percent is subject to tax. And if your combined income is over forty-four thousand, forty-four. Wow, eighty-five
0: percent is subject to tax.
1: Yes. Now, if you're single or just simply unmarried, however you want to look at this, then twenty-five thousand. Anything less than twenty-five thousand, again, how much zero, is taxed? Zero. Zero percent. of your social security, and then between twenty-five and thirty-four. Up to 50% is subject to tax. And over 34000 Well, it would be 85% subject to tax. So. All right. So that's one of those, I'd say it's a gotcha because those tables have never been adjusted for inflation. Yeah, they need to be. Now, some actual other gotchas is if you take two benefits at once,
0: you lose one of the two. Yeah, this is kind of uh, qu- quirky. They say that, well... You get your benefit, but we're going to bump it up to match what it could be, the most of it. James, explain that.
1: Well, and and again, terminology means that they're actually paying you what they call the excess benefit of the two. So, for example, if you are married and you take, or depending upon how you want to look at this, maybe you're forced to take your retirement benefit when you also take your spousal benefit, you will lose your retirement benefit if your spousal benefit is larger. Deemed filing. But... Here's where terminology comes in because Social Security won't actually say that it has eliminated your retirement benefit. Instead, what they will say is that they are giving you your retirement benefit plus the difference or the excess of the two. So it's really just a terminology difference of when you talk to the Social Security Administration and they say what they're doing versus what you maybe think that they're doing. It it can be a little bit, uh, I'd say, confusing. So spouses and qualified divorced spouses who are 62 before, and this is when the, the rules changed, before January the 2nd of 2016, they can take just their spousal or divorced spousal benefits starting at full retirement age and also their retirement benefit at age 70. So those are some things that if you don't know the rules, it can be a gotcha. Now, the second one is if you are forced to take your retirement benefit at the same time as your spousal or divorce benefit, your
0: retirement benefit will generally wipe out your spousal or divorced spousal benefit. Very simply put, it's just a larger of the two. I don't know why they want to make it. But the FONIO takes your average index monthly earnings and turns it into your primary insurance amount. Your full retirement benefit is highly progressive. Benefits paid to lower paid workers have a much higher percentage of their pre-retirement incomes than in the case of a higher paid worker. James? Well, and here's a
1: reminder, too, is that the spousal benefits are, at best, only half of your spouse's primary insurance amount. And we'll get to this later about why that can be different. I think we have a caller. Number three, deemed filing. So this is where I say being deemed. Being deemed before age 70 leads to permanently reduced retirement benefits.
0: Well, you know, apart from those grandfathers against post full retirement age deeming, being deemed whether before or after full retirement age, but before age 70, forces you to take the retirement benefit earlier than 70, which means your retirement benefit will permanently fall below its value uh, were you to start at 70. So if the excess spousal benefit is zero, You'll receive only your reduced benefit, your retirement benefit. Yes, you can undo the damage by suspending your retirement benefits at full retirement age and starting it up again at 70 at a 32% higher, you know, real rate after inflation. All right. Fourth one, you can contribute to the Social Security program your entire working
1: life and receive virtually nothing whatsoever in extra benefits. So what this means is, let's just give an example. Suppose you start working at age 16. And you continue working all the way through your full retirement age. Every week, week in, week out, you and your employer pay the 12.4% combined rate into the Social Security program via the payroll tax, your, your FICA taxes. And suppose that you have earned relatively little in absolute terms as well as relative to your spouse. Well, what happens is, assuming that your partner has filed for his or her retirement benefit, and you were at least age 65 before January 2nd of 2019, at age 70, you file for your own retirement benefit, but now you get hit by gotcha number one, which is if you take two benefits at once, you lose one of the two. So, yes, Social Security will describe this as, you know, your total check is consisting of your own age 70 benefit plus your excess spousal benefit, but the sum of the two components will equal just your spousal Benefit. So, which bottom line is it means that you get nothing extra as far as benefits are concerned for all the years that you contributed. Number five on our list: suspending your retirement
0: benefit can cost you big bucks. Barry, well, we kind of talked about this before. It, It pertains to those auxiliary dependent benefit is larger than the retirement benefit, even inclusive of the maximum amount of delayed retirement credits that can be accumulated. You know, for these people, James, the amount of which their auxiliary benefit exceeds their retirement benefit is treated by Social Security as their excess auxiliary benefit. It's just like uh, semantics, James. Yes. Well, let's, let's give an example here about when it comes to the spousal
1: benefits and some of the rules about the ages of how this works. So you hear a lot about, Getting up to 50% of the significant other's benefit, but here's when the conditions apply and how these conditions are met as to whether or not you get the full 50% or just a partial or portion of the 50%. So here's an example. This is where he or she, the he or she that's filing for benefits off of their work record, they have already filed for their benefit. And then the person filing for the spousal benefit has reached the full retirement age. So a, an example of how this can be different of having to wait until both reach the full retirement age, let's just say Kim is 66 and Brad is 62. So Kim, who is 66 at full retirement age, has never worked a day in her life. Her husband, Brad, on the other hand, at his full retirement age, his benefit would have been $1,500, which is his primary insurance amount. However, life happens, needs change, needs change the income plan that that, that we've helped generate for Kim and Brad means that he needs to turn on his benefit at age 62. So at age 62, he files for his benefits and he receives a reduced amount, 75% of his primary insurance amount. He only receives 1125 Big hit. Yes. However, Kim can now file for benefits that's based on his 100% primary insurance amount. So in other words, her 50% is based on the full $1,500. Even though she's what age? Because, the reason why, because she is the full retirement age. Brad is not full retirement age, but she is. So when she files for the spousal benefit, it's based on 100% of Brad's primary insurance amount, not his reduced 75%. So,
0: yeah, so it's it's half of the $1,500 that he's not getting because he filed early. So it's a full half of that because she's full retirement age. But the main thing that's happened here
1: is that the work record benefit, Brad in this case, has already filed for his benefit. And then the second condition, both of these conditions must be met. And then the second condition is because the wife, the spouse in this case, has reached the full retirement
0: age. You know, it does get tricky when you have an age difference like that. Five, six, seven, eight, ten years. It can get a little tricky. yes. And that is entirely the point about this discussion
1: is that there's so many different filing combinations. There's so many different rules about this program. It can be as simple as you need the income, you turn it on. Or it could be more complicated and you say, well, how do I maximize my retirement nest egg, our collective nest egg, by having to draw as much from the Social Security program? There's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help.
0: All right, folks. On behalf of Greg Brown, James Borth, and myself, the Kentuckian Barry Parnell, thanks for listening on Super Bowl Sunday. Have a great week. And remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you.